I've titled this message, we're just going to jump right in. I've titled this message, Hope in the Dark. Hope in the Dark. And that's sort of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Anybody ever been in a situation where you're kind of afraid of the dark? Afraid of the dark. Okay, this is, this, I was, I was contemplating whether or not I was going to tell this story, but here I am, I'm telling this story. Um, about a month ago, um, I, was, I was talking with a friend of mine um, who is currently homeless, and I was, uh, he asked me for some food, and so I got him some food, and I was going to bring him to where he stays. And I was, it, was, it was late at night. I was a little confused. I'm not going to lie. Um, and we went to where he stays, and um, we started just walking in the bushes for a while. And then he's like, yeah, we're just going to follow that light. And let me tell you, Walking in the bushes late at night is freaky, especially when you're not sure where you're going, um, and we were just following a light. And then we got way deeper in the bushes um, than I had anticipated me being and going on that evening. Um, this is like word of advice, probably don't do this, just like it's not a good idea. Um, so we're like way back in the bushes, but the light that we saw was a fire, and it was in this camp where he was staying at the time. Um, and uh, brought them some food, had a conversation. And let me tell you, the fire was like, okay, cool, there's light. It was still sketchy. It was very sketchy. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, everything was solved. I was still pretty freaked out. All of a sudden, I turned a corner, and there was a massive dog, like, barking at me. And I was like, this was a bad idea. Um, I had my phone on, and I have, like, my track, my location always, so in case something happened, like, Hannah could find my phone at least, which is cool. She, there's some photos on there that she needed. Um, but uh, so then I was like, all right, man, I'll see you later. And uh, luckily I had my phone. And how many of you know, like, this is like a lifesaver. Like, lifesaver in the dark, in the bushes. Oh, thanks. My flash is on. Um, I know. I turned, that was the point. Um, so I walked, I walked back with my flashlight and, and for having like, do you guys, do you guys remember when the flashlight was a separate app? Do you guys remember this? Man, having the flashlight built in on the home screen, that was like probably one of the coolest updates Apple has ever done. Um, Android users, um, you probably have to just carry around your own separate flashlight. Um, love you, Sean. I'm just kidding. Everybody, we love everybody here, even if you have an Android, it's cool. Um, anyways, there was some level of hope in the dark because of the light. And it's been said that hope is something that you need to live. It's been said, actually, that a person can live three weeks without food, which is crazy to think about. I have a hard time going like three hours without food, three weeks without food, three days without water, but only three minutes without hope. Hope is most needed in our darkest moments. And the Christmas story is hope showing up in the darkest moments. And then hope is not only most needed in the dark, but hope is most experienced in the dark. The more difficult the situation you find yourself in, the more release you experience when there's hope. And hope, a biblical definition of hope, when we talk about hope, it's not just like what you hope for for Christmas. Hope is an expectation of good. It's the assurance of something, and it's the assurance that something will change. And most people, all people need hope in their lives. We all need an expectation of good and an assurance that something will 
change. And perhaps this year more than ever, or maybe in the circumstance you find yourself in, you need hope. You need an assurance of good, an expectation that things will change. Listen to this. This is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. This is written thousands of years before the time of Jesus, but it's speaking about him. It says, the people who walked in darkness, somebody say darkness, have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shown. Now, this is a prophecy to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is what this whole Bible is about. In the Old Testament, it's about the establishing of a nation. And the reason the nation of Israel is important is because out of the nation of Israel, Jesus is going to show up. And the reason Jesus is important is because he is the Savior of humanity. He is God in flesh. He's what this whole thing is about. Okay, so the whole nation of Israel matters because out of the nation of Israel, we get Jesus. And so this prophetic word given by a guy named Isaiah, who was a prophet who spoke to people on behalf of God, he made this decree thousands of years before the time of Jesus or hundreds of years. He says that in the darkness, all of a sudden a light has shown up and notice, notice that these verses are written past tense. Do you see that? Let's pull it up again. Look at verse 2. These people who walked, is that past, present, or future? Past. Those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt past tense in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. So this guy, Isaiah, is writing future about Jesus is going to show up, but he speaks past tense. He says, light has already shown up, even though the light of the world hasn't even shown up yet. Because God speaks oftentimes about our future past tense. Why? Because he sees the end from the beginning. He knows your life before it's even finished. He knows the days. He knows how many days you have. He knows what you're going to experience. He knows the life that you're going to have. And so he can speak past tense about future events. Right? Nobody else can do that. We guess, right? Even like Las Vegas, they give you the odds about betting on who's going to win this game. Like they've got the odds and they've, they've studied, they've got it figured out, but they, nobody can know for certain. Only God can speak past tense about future events. And he says, this is going to happen. And then he says, what is going to happen? He's saying that a light will come to turn off the darkness in people's lives. And then he tells us what that light, how that light will appear. Jump to verse 6 of the same chapter. Here's the light being revealed. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So he says, hey, the people that walked in darkness, a, a light has shown up, and that light has been revealed, and this is how that light's been revealed. It is a child born. It is a son given. The hope that we have is a baby born. The hope that we have is a baby that's born. And now we know that baby to be Jesus, right? Like we, like Christmas season, it's all about baby Jesus. Like we love baby Jesus. Like my grandma has probably 500 manger scenes set up at her house. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. There's probably 500 of them. One of the things we like to do, because we always go over there on Christmas Day, one of the things my brother, my dad, and I like to do is we like to swap the baby Jesuses in the different mangers. So she's got, like, really tiny manger scenes, and so we'll take the little tiny baby Jesus, and then she's got, like, life-size manger scenes, and then we'll, like, swap them. You know what I mean? Um, 
just like a, it's like a fun holiday tradition, you know, swap the baby Jesuses in the manger. But we love baby Jesus in a manger. But, but the whole Christmas thing is about baby Jesus in a manger. But did you know when, when, when Isaiah wrote that, like if you, were, if you were an Israelite thinking about this expectation of good that was going to come, the hope being a baby would be kind of disappointing. You'd be like, really? Like a baby? Unto us a child is born? But this verse makes it abundantly clear that the child that is born is Jesus. Well, for two reasons. One, it says child is born. We get that. But secondly, it says a son is given. Does that phrase remind you of any other Bible verses? A son is given. How about John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only what? Son. So in this prophetic word written hundreds of years before the time of Christ. It says that there's a child that's going to be born, and more specifically, a son is going to be given. And so when Jesus bursts on the scene, and in John chapter 3, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This was a reference and a fulfillment to this prophetic word that was given hundreds of years before. The hope, the expectation, this promise that someone is going to turn off the dark was fulfilled in Jesus. So here in Isaiah 9, we have a promise of hope that will come in the dark. And listen, that promise of hope still applies to us today. That promise, that expectation of good still applies to us today. The problem is, and I would say that it was the same problem that was uh, uh, maybe thought hundreds of years before the time of Christ that is applied to us today, 2,000 years after the time of Christ, is that many people don't see how a child being born and a son being given can be the answer to the hopelessness that they are experiencing. You guys good? Cool. Sounded like something super interesting was happening. Um. Now, let me tell you, our life is difficult, and so how can a baby that was born 2,000 years ago actually help me? And many of us are experiencing what feels like great darkness, and we don't see how his promises could apply to us. Maybe it's personal darkness in our life. Maybe there's some sort of feeling of anxiety or worry or sin or, or frustration that makes our own life feel dark, and maybe you look at your life, and maybe you go to bed at night, and you feel, like, dirty. You feel dark. You feel broken. And you think, how could a baby 2,000 years ago apply to my life? Or, or maybe the darkness is disappointment with friends or family. Maybe, maybe the Christmas season, it's, there's such an interesting, like, sort of paradox that happens in the Christian, Christmas season. Um, and that is, for some people, it's great joy. But then other people at the same time, there's great sadness. Maybe it's because of loss of loved ones, or maybe it's because they're lonely, or maybe it's because of there's been heartbreak or hurt around the holidays. And so for some of us, it's like great joy. For others of us, it's like real pain. And so there's this experience that happens, and maybe your, your darkness that you're experiencing in your life right now is a result of friends and family. People have let you down. People have betrayed you. People have overlooked you. Or even just the negative, negativity and hopelessness of, like, the news that we see. Like, I don't know about you, and maybe I need to get off Snapchat, but I feel like whenever I'm on Snapchat and the news articles, they just drive me crazy. Because I'm like, this is, one, it's such nonsense, but two, it's so, like, negative. 
Everything's so negative. Like, it was like top 20 people that got canceled this year. I'm like, really? Like, we're going to revisit all of that? Like, it's just always so negative, and, and, it's, and it's such, and I feel like sometimes when we look at the world, and it's like, and it's like, a confused presidential election, and it's like, what's the new you're going to bring, and COVID, and, and, and this, and, and it's just like overwhelming, and we ask the question, how could a baby born 2,000 years ago bring me hope today? And I was thinking about how the news cycle that would have been going on around the time of Jesus would have been just as dark as it is today. Let me just read to you. This would have been, I, I'm sort of paraf- or making this up a little bit, although it's true events. I'm reading it as though it were a news article. But here are some of the headlines that would have been read at the time of Jesus. As Roman occupation increases in Israel, more Jewish zealots are revolting. That would have been a, across the Jerusalem times. 6,000 men have been crucified by Romans along the 120-mile road heading towards Rome. I'm going to read that again. 6,000 men at one time were crucified by Romans along the 120-mile road heading towards Rome. So imagine you're living at this time and you're walking into Rome and along the road there's 6,000 crosses that are perched along this road, men suffocating and dying, 6,000 of them. Another one would have read, Herod issues a decree that all infants to and under are to be put to death. That, that happened, you can read about it in Matthew's Gospels, that as soon as he heard that a king was born, the king of the Jews, speaking of Jesus, his empire felt threatened, so he made a decree that all babies two years and younger were to be put to death on the spot because he didn't want that, he, he felt his throne was being threatened. This would have been a news article. So how does a, how does a baby born to, how does a baby born in that time bring hope? This, this is like you're, you're waking up, you've got your coffee, you're opening up the news, and this is what you're reading. And the promise given to the nation of Israel is that the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, and the light was going to be a child born in a manger. And you're like, I don't understand how these two things make sense together. And so fast forward to our life and our hurt and our frustration and our pain and our disappointment and our confusion and our anxiety and our hurt feelings and all that we experience. How can a baby in a manger 2,000 years ago actually bring us hope? And how can we experience this, this light that shines in the darkness when it seems like all we experience is darkness? How do we experience this hope? I want to give us two simple things, and we're going to close. Two simple things. Number one, we got to look in the right place. In order to experience the hope that, that is promised to us, do you know what that was? That means somebody just tried to airdrop that computer. So you just airdropped something that went to this computer. So one, Julianne knows who it is, and I'm going to definitely find you after service. And I will fight you. No, I won't fight you. Um, but... We'll probably have discussions. Um, <laughs> so point number one. You with me? Stop airdropping is what I'm trying to say. Point number one, look in the right place. Look in the right place. Oftentimes, we try to find hope when we're hurting in the wrong places. We look 
for it in entertainment. Like, there, there's a whole world, and we talked about this a little bit um, a few weeks ago when, in our facts series when we were talking about cell phone usage. But there's this whole world that, that, that we sort of disguise the pain that we experience through entertainment. Like, if we cannot think about it, like, if we can entertain ourselves with other things, if we cannot think about it, then we don't have to address the hurt that we're feeling. Like, if I can have, like, enough likes or enough streaks or I can play enough video games or I can tune out for a long enough period of time, then I don't have to think about the hurt that I'm experiencing. So we try to find hope in entertainment or we try to find hope in our friends, Right? We try to, like, we need them to be the answer for us. We need them to be the solution for us. We need them to be the consistent peace in our life. And so we look for our friends. Or we look for hope simply in our situations to change. Like, we can only find hope if this changes. Like, if, if I can get out of this, or if my parents would stop fighting, or if my friends would stop picking on me, or, or if I would stop failing this class, or if I could find a job, or if I would stop dealing with this temptation, or if I could overcome, if I could stop this situation, then I would find release from this darkness. But we're looking, none of those things are bad, but that is not where we find real hope. The promise of hope is the same as it was in our text. It's a child born in a manger. Listen, hope is found in Jesus. And specifically here, it's the promise of a baby, which, which carries all sorts of implications, which I don't want to talk about all of them. But one of the implications of a baby is just like new and innocent, right? Like a baby doesn't, doesn't, hasn't, and probably will, but hasn't experienced the same pains that we've had to go through. Like some of you guys are 14, 15, 16 years old, and you have lived full lives. You've experienced all sorts of darkness, all sorts of pain, all sorts of hurt. And one of the things about a baby is that there's innocence, and they haven't yet had to trudge through what you've walked through. And so the promise of hope in Jesus as a baby is like, hey, there's something new, there's something innocent. But more than that, I think, this is an indication of how God works in our lives. Listen to me. From the time Jesus was born in Bethlehem on that silent night on Christmas Day, right? It's funny. It's Christmas Day night is when Jesus would have been born. I mean, not really. Like, we don't know if it's December 25th. So, I mean, it's the whole thing. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so Jesus was born in Bethlehem that night. The angels are singing. The shepherds are there. And then a few years later, the wise men show up. Like, we paint the picture like there was the little drummer boy there, which isn't true. That's like a fictitious story. Um, but, like, we picture, like, the, the wise men and the angels. All, it wasn't wise men were later, besides the point. Anyways, Jesus is born. That's what I'm trying to get to. Jesus is born. And then 30-some-odd years later, 30-some years later, Jesus shows up as the Savior in the sense of revealing himself to be the light of the world, right? So 30 years later, Jesus bursts out on the seas and says, I am the light of the world. Okay, so imagine that for a second. Jesus is born. The promise of hope. Hey, the people that walked in darkness, they've seen a great light. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And on his back will be the government. And he's going to rule and he's going to reign. So Jesus shows up and they're like, the baby's here. Like the baby of promise is here. Here everything's going to change. Light of the world. No more darkness. No more pain. 
No more stuff. Like, here he is. And then he's four. Nothing's happened. He's seven. Nothing's happened. He's 18. Nothing's happened. He's 27. Nothing's happened. He's 28. Like, I imagine it's actually really funny. In the first story, when Jesus performs his first miracle, his mom is actually the one that, like, encourages him to do it. And part of me, I like to, like, add a little humor sometimes when I read the Bible. And so sometimes I feel like Mary, his mom, was probably like, hey, Jesus, like, you've been living at home for 30 years. Like, maybe it's time for you to do a miracle and get this whole thing going. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, she's like, you're 33 years old, man. You're living at home. You're the son of God. Turn that water into wine, man. (laughs) But just imagine for a second, like, the hope, the hope is there in the child that is born. And then 30 years later, there's fulfillment of the promise. And I wonder if sometimes we think that hope happens like this in a second, and maybe hope happens over a period of time. Maybe God isn't going to immediately change your situation, or maybe God isn't going to immediately give you the feeling of like, oh my gosh, everything's better. But maybe God's going to do something in your heart and in your life, and it's going to take time, and it's going to work things out. And maybe the pain and the frustration and the doubt doesn't go away right away. But as his Holy Spirit works in you, over time, you start to experience the hope that he wants you to experience. And God oftentimes works in a slow, long process. And hope, hope is not something that necessarily is shows up and we experience right away, but it's something that takes time. And when it comes to relationship with God, we need to go to him, and then we need to be patient as he works how he wants to. That's kind of like the whole idea of that song, Seasons, that we sang tonight. It's like a seed that's buried, and a seed that's buried, it doesn't, uh, it's nothing. In fact, a seed has to die in order for it to do something, and a seed takes a long time. Like, if you plant an orange tree, you're not going to plant it one night, go inside, take a nap, walk about outside, and pick an orange off the tree, right? It takes time. It takes water, it takes sunlight, it takes cultivating, all of that time, 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 time. And then pretty soon, God does something miraculous, and an orange tree is there, and you get to eat it. Things take time. And God often works in the same way. It takes time. But we have to go to him. we got to look in the right place. It's Jesus. All right, second thing, and we'll close. Worship team, you guys can make your way back up here. Not only do we have to look in the right place, secondly, we have to let him do his thing. We have to let him... That is God. We have to let him do his thing. I love the description about, uh, we get about who Jesus is. These are some of the things he's called, but it's also the description of what he does. Let's break these down really quick. Number one, he's called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is the answer. He is the one that we can go to because he has the answers. And listen, Jesus, he also has the time. In other words, we can go to him and we can trust that he's there for us. He's the wonderful counselor. Oftentimes we go to people or we go to social media or we go to this, that, and the other looking for answers. Listen, Jesus is the answer. We have to go to him. We have to look to him. And we also have to allow for him to be our counselor. And oftentimes how God's going to counsel you is he's going to tell things in your life that need to be sort of rewired. 
Sometimes we go to God and we're like, God, you need to change that person. Like this person's being mean to me. Like, God, this person's making life super difficult for me. Will you change it? Will you change them? And God will often respond and be like, actually, I'm going to change you. Because that's how God works. He's, he's really concerned about you. He's, really concer- he's not so concerned about them. He's concerned about you. And the nice thing about that sentence is whoever you are, he's really concerned with. He's not so concerned about them. He's concerned about you. And the you I'm talking about is you. English is funny, isn't it? Anyways, wonderful counselor. You can go to him. Secondly, he says, mighty God. Not only does he have the answer, he also has the ability. He is a mighty God. He has power. He has, he has the ability to accomplish what we can't. He has the ability to do things in our lives and through our lives that we are incapable of doing. He's the answer to our questions, and he has the ability to do something about our problems. He is a mighty God. Thirdly, we're told that he is an everlasting father. In other words, Jesus has authority. He's the answer. He's got the ability, and he has the authority. In other words, if he says it, it's going to happen. One of the things about everlasting, it means that he had no beginning and he had no end. And so he stands outside of that reality of time that we're stuck in. He has the authority over that. But also I like that it says everlasting father. And if you were like me and you had the privilege of growing up with a father in your house, you would know that at the end of the day, like what dad says kind of goes. Like, you might have had the unfortunate experience of asking your dad why, and he says, because I said so. And you're like, that literally makes no sense at all. And it's just, that's the way it is. I'm dad. I get to make that decision. And everlasting father, what that that picture for us is, is that he has the authority. If he's doing something in your life, if he's going to change something, or if he's going to allow something, it's because he has the authority authority. He is the everlasting father. And finally, he is the prince of peace. I just said that Jesus has it all. He's the prince of peace. Jesus has it all. Both in the sense of everything we need. We often feel no peace when we're searching for something or looking for satisfaction right? Isn't that what oftentimes stirs up our, our worry and our lack of peace is it's, it's not being satisfied. Like maybe it's this relationship or maybe it's this thing or maybe it's this item or maybe it's this experience. And so we're looking, we're looking, we're looking, and the, it's the lack of something that we, makes us feel no peace. Listen, Jesus has exactly what you're searching for. But it also, this idea of Prince of Peace, Jesus has it all, He also has it all in the sense of wholeness or completeness. Often our worry comes from feeling fractured or incomplete. And listen, Jesus wants to make us whole. Listen, hope is found in Jesus. No matter our situations or how we feel or what we're missing, we must look to Jesus and we need to allow him to do what he does. And the same God that came 2,000 years ago to die for the sins of humanity is the same God that's available for us today. And the same hope that showed up in the darkness as a baby in a manger is the same hope that we have access today to today, 2,000 years later, if we would just call on Jesus and if we would just invite him into our life. And so listen, we, if you need hope, 
If you need an expectation of good, if you need things to change, the answer is in Jesus. And this Christmas season is, is designed to remind you that Jesus is the answer. If you go to your grandma's house and there's a manger, it's to remind you that Jesus is the answer. As you walk into the Target or the grocery store and you hear Oh Holy Night or whatever other Christmas, like the 11 Christmas songs that exist that are playing on loop, it is to remind you that Jesus is the answer. And so often we get so caught up in these other things and it, really those other things are the things that makes us feel hopeless. But if we can turn to Jesus and trust in him, we can find hope that we're looking for. Amen. All right, let's stand together. I'm going to pray for you.